Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Issue 151. I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. I'm Ryan. I'm Adam. And I'm Brent Wingate. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about the new Enter the Phoenix series by Marvel. Warner Media and especially DC Universe have a bunch of reported layoffs coming. There's a new Blazing Saddles in the works. We'll play All Right, This Might Be Stupid. Doom Patrol had its finale, and there's a whole, whole lot of comic book issues. All right, so starting out, uh, apparently the age of Khonshu is ending, um, and the end of the <laughs> Phoenix is beginning. And if it makes sense, finally, it's supposed to, which is how Marvel is promoting the new storyline by Jason Aaron, Ed McGinnis, and Javier Garon coming this fall. Um, or Avengers. Oh, sorry, yes. Mm -hmm. Into the Phoenix will relate to the results of the Moon Knight and his god Khonshu, taking the Avengers' powers to make the world theirs. And I don't know if the title is suggestive, but, Kalen, do you think this story will include the Phoenix Force? <laughs> um, first of all, Brent, you talking about Age of Khonshu and Enter the Phoenix sounds like my mom talking about Star Wars. Oh, you know, that death, that death thing. <laughs> I got I'm just doing Vader. my job, man. Yeah, okay. Um, so I think it actually deals with the Avengers BC. Um, so remember, like, there was a Phoenix uh, yes. host way back when, and apparently she's, like, in the white hot room uh, right now, which is where all the Phoenix hosts end up after they stop being the host. Uh, so I think that's what they're going to bring back, because I was like, oh, God, we don't need, like, uh, like the Phoenix coming back, like, vis-a-vis -vis the X-Men. I don't think that's what the I don't and I don't think that's what it's going to be. So I do definitely think it's going to be like the BC version of Phoenix. Ryan? Yeah, I totally think that um I I think this is a continuation of that storyline and I think they're trying to mainstream the Phoenix because I think eventually it's going to be more of a Marvel event and they're trying to get away from it just being a X-Men thing because I think we've run that into the ground so they're really trying to make it a galactus type of event basically mm. um but i think maybe like a time travel-y type of phoenix will come through or something like that so it kind of has no affiliation with sort of the gene gray phoenix of it all what do you think adam i think that's a really good uh catch uh, and i think that's exactly like a great idea one of the questions that i had was whether or not um it was they're trying to say God, I just like completely lost my train of thought. Clark, you you have much better things to say, I'm sure, than me. Yeah, um, there's been articles that came out about there being like you know different trade covers and stuff they're going to push out, and within that there was a comment about the fact that the storyline is going to have She-Hulk, Black Panther, and Captain America are going to be the possible people that are going to become the Phoenix, and it's kind of like the Phoenix making a choice between the three of them. Mm. Mm. Two She-Hulk. That's my vote. Well, no, it's like top three of like RuPaul's Drag Race season 12. Well, it, you know? it, it makes sense. I can't sense choose. Because there's currently going to be that one-shot series, uh, excuse me, series, um, issue Immortal Hulk, but it's Immortal She-Hulk. So it makes sense yeah. to, you know, having her deal with her newfound immortality. Totally. We'll see how that works. I like you, the idea that there might be a game show. Who's that Phoenix? Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it'll have any connection to the, that's what I was trying to say, the Dark Age or the, yeah, the Dark Age is like the whole Null like uh, sequence of events that's going to be coming in this fall? I don't think uh, so. No. I just find it so interesting. There's going to be like two cataclysmic events going on at the same time. Uh, it always on happens. Top, after, after Empire. 
It's like (laughs) (laughs) Marvel heroes must be so exhausted all the time. It's like circuit party after circuit party after circuit party. When do you get to chill, y'all? I I have a stupid theory that I was dreaming about last night um, because I couldn't sleep. And, okay, it's very stupid, and I'll tell you. So you know how She-Hulk, spoilers for the current run of Empire, but you know how She-Hulk is basically a dead corpse and then there's just a plant person inside of her? basically operating her body i hope she completely dies but then the phoenix force comes to earth grabs her and the sun does explode in empire and she becomes the sun as the phoenix just an idea ryan yeah keep your fucking dreams to yourself (laughs) i actually sorry i can't believe i'm saying this but i actually kind of like that idea isn't that outrageous it connects it's pretty good it's pretty good in, uh, in other news, Warner Media is expecting to lay off major portions of its company, with uh, Warner Brothers losing some 650 people and HBO roughly 175 staffers. There will be major cuts to the editorial staff, and the DC Universe will be nearly eliminated as a result of months of planning on how to handle the pandemic and also, kind of more generally, how to handle their content production. So how much of this do we think is a craven calculation to just get some government stipends, uh, you know, based off of expectations for what Congress might do? How much is just, you know, kind of necessary business practice? And how much do you think is a genuine rethinking of how they want this company to work in the future? Kaylin? So this was definitely uh, foreshadowed a few months ago, right when the pandemic hit. Um, you know, like uh, comic stores obviously weren't open um, and comics weren't being delivered. We had like a couple of months without any comics. Then DC decided to like leave Diamond, which is the distributor that gives, gets comics uh, to comic stores. They went to their own distributor and then they started doing comics on Tuesdays instead of Wednesdays. So I think what uh, Warner is trying to do, AT&T Warner is trying to do, is completely reconfigure the way that DC works. So uh, the, the biggest hit uh, in, in the layoffs, which is actually really sad, uh, are a bunch of the uh, editors, uh, like including Bob Harris is the editor in chief. Not that I'm a huge fan of his, but you know, it sucks that someone's losing a job as well as a lot of other people who are underneath him. Um, my theory is they are completely going to rethink the way that they publish their content. I think they're gonna move away from traditional comic stores and single issues do more digital only content and do more like bookstore trades. Uh, you know, one of the big things they've done are like the younger adult versions of the, uh, of the various characters, Superman, Raven, Batman, Nightwing, you name it. And apparently like that's doing pretty well in the young adult sort of uh, market there. Um, and then I think they're gonna have to kind of reconfigure what like black label, which ended up sort of replacing vertigo that ends up looking like too. So, I don't think it's necessarily about government stimulus or anything like that. I think it's just rethinking their like kind of R&D sort of creative outlet. Uh, and weirdly, I think maybe Disney and Marvel could follow if, if DC is, success- is successful. It does, uh, go ahead, Brent. All right, uh, I guess my concern about it is, you know, DC is, you know, as a part of this has basically kind of signaled that they want to focus on, um, create uh, um, characters not comics and that to me is a very ominous signal because i think i was among the camp of people that kind of thought that the more 
big blockbuster movies were being made about superheroes, the more attention comics would get generally, which would then help comic production, you know, subsidize some of the costs of producing more independent distributors. And the fact that they are kind of locking up just around the most profitable ones is a little disheartening. There's another way to look at it too. Um, and maybe if DC stumbles by doing this, another publisher could kind of come in and sort of take its place like an image or a boom. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Um, but uh, it, it just, it feels, it, it, well, as a comic fan and especially as a DC comic fan, I'm, I'm really kind of very nervous about it because to your point, Brent, they are going to move away from like these sort of interesting storyline stuff that they can do that's a little bit off the beaten path. We're going to talk about death metal a little bit later on. I think a comic like death metal, I don't know, could exist uh, in this new, in this new world order. Maybe it would, who knows? But uh, I mean, even Scott Snyder, who's the writer of death metal and wrote Batman and justice league said that, you know, after death metal's over, I'm going to like, kind of, I'll still do more DC, but I kind of step back and do more independent stuff. I think he probably knew something about it too. Um, it just seems like it's an, a complete overhaul. And one of the other things I read was that they're trying to bring in somebody from eSports to oversee some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's like, um, I mean, it's good to bring in new blood to like kind of rethink things. But you also, if you don't have somebody who's uh, got some kind of a knowledge base in this stuff, it just makes me very nervous. Adam? Yeah, I was just going to say, it's, it's definitely terrifying to me as like a general like, nerd comics fan everything since like the 80s because i think what you're seeing like this seems like a total business power post-merger move and i don't think it's going to pay any dividends from a creativity perspective i'm sure it might pay from a business perspective but it, it feels like every choice that's being made is an effort to reduce cost and just focus on revenue which you know that's why businesses exist but it's also why hopefully a lot of this talent will get snatched up by either doing their own kind of projects or getting connected in with more indie labels. But it, none of this speaks to, especially like, obviously we talked kind of shit last week on uh, Fandom. And I don't think that there's anything that's like, that's coming out of this that would inspire people to feel like there's gonna be some sort of creative awakening from this. Rather, to your point, Kayla, there might be a business awakening, which is again, like, there's going to be a natural evolution of how we consume content, which we're already doing by reading comics on our phone. But I just don't think it spells any positives for, you know, getting more interesting stories, more interesting characters, that sort of thing. I like yeah. how they're, they've set up fandom just in time for all their fans to hate them. <laughs> I, was, I was looking at DC's uh, Reddit the other day and everyone was furious and they're like, what the fuck's the point of fandom? I don't give a shit. You guys shouldn't give a shit, etc." Yeah, DC fans are rabid. Like, they're worse than Marvel fans, believe it or not. Yeah. I, I, they, they had this whole editorial plan with, you know, they were going to do that whole 5D thing where all the younger characters become, you know, made, made Batman and Aquaman, etc. And so they were literally canceling all the series so they could redo them. Like, Aquaman ends in November, not because it didn't have story, but because they were doing this editorial boost and uh, push and like have all the characters age up. And obviously none of that's going to happen anymore. So any plans that DC actually had have been just shunted and thrown away. Yeah. It's really sucks for all the artists and people who work for this, you know, maybe they've got a little bit more insider knowledge, but you know, working for one of these larger corporations is kind of a more stable job in a creative field. And then for it to just kind of fall away like this is a shame. 
Uh, Just be like, oh, sorry, Clark. I wasn't looking. I was looking up and not at the screen. Um, BC's, I mean, WB's um, synergy, corporate synergy is just bizarre. I don't. I think this is their version of trying to create that synergy, which is basically just assault and destroy everything in order to create something they want out of it. Disney has given them, Disney's given Marvel a lot more freedom, but at the same time, they every once in a while they're like, oh, by the way, change this so we can make it, you know, work for the for movies. You know, every once in a while they're we're just like, wait a minute, did they just change this character's backstory? And so that's our version thus far of like freaking out that they're doing something horrible to the comics instead of just literally doing whatever nightmare they've done this week at DC, yeah. Caitlin. So um, in the late 70s, DC actually kind of experienced something similar. It was called the DC Implosion. Um, and it was right after like they expanded their titles like to a bunch of ancillary titles out there. And it was a result of like a bunch of blizzards hitting the, the you know, parts of the country and like fucking up distribution systems. Um, and, you know, like DC really had to kind of crawl out of a hole and it took like four or five years. And then, you know, they, we got to the mid eighties where you had a crisis on infinite earths, Dark Knight Returns, Watchmen, Alan Moore and Swamp Thing, you know, and you just had this like renaissance. And so maybe I'm, I'm kind of maybe cautiously optimistic that even if this ends up being an utter disaster, like Warner ends up realizing, fuck, we, we fucked up. Like we don't even have a good stable of content to produce films, TV, animated shows, whatever. Uh, I mean, like Doom Patrol couldn't exist if not for the amazing content that was created in the late 80s, 90s, and even in the last few years. And so if DC is running out of that stuff, you know, if that's what ends up being the, the model over the next few years, I think someone's gonna say, we got to rethink this and then it could uh, create like a new burst of creativity. So um, maybe that's, that's my little sort of cling to hope there. Yeah. All right. Moving on um, in some, uh, I wouldn't want to say slightly bizarre news. Um, there is a blazing saddles remake in the works and it is set to be released in late 2021. Uh, Clark, what the heck is happening? So this amazing movie is going to be called Blazing Samurai. Uh, has anyone actually, has anyone not seen the original? Any of you four? I've seen it. We've all seen it. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, Kaylin didn't do anything. Anyways, so <laughs> this, this and a Young Frankenstein are like my family's movies. Mel Brooks is like our god. And it's just, this movie, <laughs> Blazing, Blazing Saddles was always the movie that Hollywood said could never be remade because obviously the content is, the N-word is used over like 70 times and it's right. just chaotic. And it purposely del deals with it in order to show how fucked up racism is. And it's written by Richard Pryor as well as Mel Brooks and others. And it's just, I mean, it's fantastic. So anyways, this Blazing Samurai stars Michael Sarah, who plays a dog in a world of all cats. So I guess the cats are going to be like racist to him. I don't know. They're going to tone down any even slight racism because obviously this is going to be some bizarre kids movie, but not. Anyway, so Michael Sarah plays Dog, who becomes kind of a samurai sheriff of cats. But first he has to befriend Samuel L. Jackson's character, who is a character that is really high on catnip all the time. So our lead, both our leads for Blazing Samurais are not Asian. It turns out that only two of the... the um, East Asian characters are, uh, excuse me, performers are East Asian, and uh, Michelle Yeoh is uh, Malaysian, so 
the only one who is actually Japanese for Blazing Samurai is George Shikai, who oh. plays some weird underling of the main villain played by Richard Gervais. It, it, the whole thing, and Richard Gervais' character's name is Aikachu. Whole, this whole movie sounds like the worst fucked up thing it, ever. It seems really it? straightforward. I don't yeah. understand what you're confused about at all. Is it possible to cancel a movie before it's even finished? <laughs> new, new, oh, new Mutants. What are you talking about? Oh, that's coming out in two weeks, bitch. It's coming in it, two weeks. Oh, when, sure I, when I read this, I thought it was one of those jokes that we usually put up that we're going to talk yeah. about a different joke soon. It, this is like seems like it's almost ready to go this is this good planning for four years they've had this cast together for four years feels like in the four years that have happened transpired in between they should have figured out this shouldn't be made every uh meeting was just like a careful careful. (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) we're still not gonna add any japanese actors or anyone behind the scenes actually deal with it they've got jaiman hansu playing a character named sumo who's just a fat cat Oh no! <laughs> this so, this yeah, sounds like no. an artifact of not even four years ago, but like nine, 2003 or something. Kung Where, Fu you know, Panda is what I'm right, thinking. Right, exactly. Yeah, Randy Orton is in it, and and Mel B from the Spice Girls. They're all going to play <laughs> what? Asian bands, I guess. Oof. Yeah, it's actually a very multi-ethnic cast, which is very good. It's just that none of them are Japanese. Yeah, they did uh, say uh, that they plan on using the N word as much as the original. Oh, thank God! <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> the the but, to, but to speak about Michael yeah. Sarah. <laughs> oh, oh okay. if God. they make if they make a ninja joke, I will be furious. They're <laughs> gonna make a ninja like. <laughs> oh it's, no! Yeah, no, it's like, or the ninja gets it. I'm like, no, it's gonna oh, be terrible. No, I don't that want that any of so this. All right, we're going to watch that movie for sure. <laughs> let's move on. Uh, all right, Ryan, let's, uh, you want to talk? Uh, we've got an all right, this might be stupid. Yeah, okay. So um, on this podcast, we always have uh, a little sidetrack that we do, which is called All Right, This Might Be Stupid. And it tends to be, you know, the stupid stuff on the internet, like uh, what's on Twitter or what happens to be on screen rant, or just stuff like that, it doesn't make any fucking sense. A lot of it has to do with like MCU casting, maybe an actor in a role. Uh, And of late, a lot of them have been, uh, I would say X-Men because people are very jazzed that the X-Men are coming to the MCU. In this latest rumor this week, um, there has been, it came out on so many different things that, that is quite outrageous. But this may be stupid, but Disney is allegedly interested in having Shia LaBeouf play Iceman. I said that right, right? Um, and yeah, it's Iceman. Man. You pronounce it right. It's, um, <laughs> and in case you don't know any comics whatsoever, he is one of the original five. He is a younger role in the X-Men. And he, a few years ago, came out as gay. Um Shia LaBeouf is none of those things, except like maybe if you cast him like during Transformers, so it makes no fucking sense. So with this in mind, knowing how stupid this is, um, let's play a quick game to say, you're really stupid, you're dumb, you work for Marvel, you work for Disney, you happen to have gotten this job, but you don't know what's going on and you've never heard of acting before. Um, Who would you cast in as an X-Men now that doesn't really fit, just like Shia LaBeouf. 
Um, I'm going to go to Brent first. Can I first say I will be fine if Shia LaBeouf plays Iceman if now this of the movie, like in the process of mo- the movie and real life, he comes out as gay. Yeah. Uh, yes. And he must be an out actor. Obviously. And ten years. Yeah. I want to recast because we need a new Wolverine, right? Hugh Jackman's done. Yes. Let's get Jason Schwartzman. Is he busy? <laughs> That sounds stupid and right, uh, Adam. Um, so I did a lot of hard thinking about this, and I couldn't think of anyone better to play an Amazonian goddess that can control the weather than Emily Blunt as Storm. <laughs> well, I knew someone was going to pick Storm. Kaylin, um, you got one. You up. couldn't play Eye Boy. <laughs> um, uh, it's funny you say Eye Boy because I've got one for Cyclops. Uh, he's never acted before, but he's in Congress, so he does play a shitty role. It's no. Dan Crenshaw. Congressman from Texas who only has one eye. Oh, God. <laughs> God. No. 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 I, I don't feel bad about that because he's a piece of shit. Oh. Caleb, uh, mm, that's got a good look on you. It's something. Uh, Clark, do you have an insane one? I'm going to say, I'm gonna say Halle Berry is Storm. <laughs> <laughs> that's the winner. Um, I was going to say um, Dame Judy Dench as uh, Professor Xavier because they're trying to go for diversity now. So they're trying to switch it up a little bit. I, be good like that. That. I don't hate it. Well, well she, she has shaves a, her head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, she she actually would be a fantastic uh, Cassandra. What, the, the sister? Cassandra. Oh, yeah. 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 That's good Should casting, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Um, Doom Patrol. So uh, we got, uh, last week we got episode nine, Wax Patrol. And on this ultimate slash penultimate episode of Doom Patrol, the gang gets together at a state fair and fights with their imaginary friends while Miranda Jane uh, remembers a totally bummer sex party. After everyone is turned into wax, Chief shows up, uh, Dorothy fights the candle maker, and we learn Miranda isn't who she claims to be. So COVID interrupted the production of the final episode, but... Apparently the season was supposed to end with a massive cliffhanger. Uh, cliffhanger. Anyway, Adam, uh, were you satisfied with how the season wrapped up? Uh, hugely satisfied. And I think what really kind of made it for me is I realized my emotional state during the first season of Titans and this. So for anyone that remembers, the first season of Titans also ended on like a very weird cliffhanger but I couldn't care less to really watch the next season I ended up enjoying it anyway but like with this uh my boyfriend and I were literally screaming at the screen because I was like there's only five fucking minutes left they're not gonna be able to figure this out and I had not known that there was uh the COVID production stuff and so whatever the cliffhanger was gonna be it obviously wasn't gonna be to sum up what was currently happening with Dorothy and everybody at the carnival um the only pet peeve I had about this is that I have never seen so many goddamn superhero shows in the past two, one or two years deal with a carnival. So Titans had a carnival's finale. This had a carnival finale. Watchmen. Watchmen. I don't, there must be one fucking set that everyone is just like, we'll take it. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it's because at nighttime, at the, and they're all at night. It's because at nighttime, the state fair is, the, the fairs are empty. So you, there's free spaces to rent. <laughs> It's just insane. I, I, it actually probably fit Doom Patrol the most, but it was still just like, what the hell? <laughs> what is I mean, at least guy? this one has like a child that makes more sense to have a, at a Correct. carnival than just these random adults who wander across it. 
Brian? I, I went to went into this finale just thinking about all the characters as a whole. And yeah, they, they have superpowers. Yeah, most of them are kind of strange. But like their relationships, the way they spoke, the way the people that they were were probably the most relatable superheroes that we've ever seen. Like uh for example, like Miranda being overwhelmed that her lover wanted to just basically have orgies all the time. I was like, yeah. that's a really practical sort of like, especially I think it was in the seventies as well. Yeah. Like that is a practical thing that maybe made you go crazy. And like, like all, like uh, a bunch of them being terrible parents and stuff like that. I'm like, this is a way more realistic look at character studies, except for, our lady, the beekeeper, because she, she is straight out of a Hollywood movie and she has not learned anything. That's the only one. You know what? I don't want her to change. She always treats everything like it's a set and I love that about her. But yeah, I just, I thought the characters were so well done and I, this season's so good. I hope it continues on. Uh, Kaylin, do you have anything? No, it is just kind of tragic that uh, COVID definitely put a hinder on it because I definitely think that this was supposed to be a 10th episode. They were going to wrap up all the candle maker stuff um, and then they were going to set up Miranda Qua, her father, as I think the villain in season three. Um, but, you know, it's a very enjoyable season. I think the, um, the way that the uh, orgy scene at the apartment was filmed was like very creepy. Yeah, like, yeah. you definitely get it from Miranda's perspective. Something that, you know, could be, you know, depending on your point of view, a lot of fun or, you know, really sexy was very sinister. And, like, you know, it just seems like everybody was, like, dead-eyed while they were, like, fucking, you know, somebody who wasn't their their usual partner. Um, and, um, like, clearly Miranda wasn't into it, and then she was, and then she wasn't. Like, it was just, it was very, very unsettling to watch. Kaylin, with your knowledge of the uh, comic orgy series, scene. yeah, with your knowledge of orgies and hating them, um, no, with like so Candlemaker and then also obviously uh, Crazy Jane's father, are they are there like are these storylines from the comic yeah. or are they kind of spitting them out or what's the deal with that? Yeah, yeah, they're in the comic. So Candlemaker was the ultimate big bad at the end of Grant Morrison's seminal run on um, on Doom Patrol, and they definitely had a lot of stuff about Jane's father, but it was more kind of woven in throughout the run rather than being like sort of the focus of a, you know, a number of issues. Right. And don't worry, because next season, the cobbler's going to come in and really <laughs> fuck shit up. Yeah. Does anyone... Yeah. <laughs> the orgy stuff didn't really affect me just because of how artificial it was. I mean, I don't want to see like, you know, breasts and asses all day long but it was everyone is like holding themselves in the most contortedly weird fake positions that it just felt so off to me so, That's so you wanted more hardcore penetration <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah 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 everything this is okay. HBO no, it just, max it, <laughs> it, it, it seemed just like boring and phony and well, I, I started that's the reason why I think I found it so unsettling. Like yeah. it was through Miranda's perspective. Uh, I just it went straight into. Sorry. It was supposed to. Be, it was supposed to be wrote. It was supposed to be like, um, you know, when you watch a porn where it's all very like just yes. dis like dispassionate, and they're just going through the motions, and it's like it's not sexy at all. There was not. It was not supposed to be titillating yeah. in well, any which what, way. 
my, um, it, I mean, once again, it's probably just because of my job, but mine went, I went straight to a production angle. Like I didn't even start thinking about the show anymore. I started thinking about the production behind the show. Like it, yeah. that's it totally took me out of the storyline entirely, that it was which awkward. was frustrating. Cause yeah. No, and not that it was awkward. It just, I was just looking at choices, production choices mm. and oh. how the choreography oh. must've been done in order to do this and that, no, 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 no. Besides that, this show is so fucking good. I am, as we all already said, I'm frustrated that this was blatantly supposed to be a two-episode, you know, story arc right there. Not story arc, but, you know, final episode, two-parter. Which was frustrating, but I guess next season we'll have a big opening episode, and then they'll be three weeks later, and then we'll have another one. I don't really know how they're going to be able to properly cut this. My favorite idea is that, Brent, you mentioned the season was supposed to have a cliffhanger. So I love the idea that we'll get back, we'll solve this mystery. There'll be a giant <laughs> first episode cliffhanger that will also be solved in the second episode. <laughs> it, it strangely mirrored Titans, though. Remember yeah. how Titans was like, it should have ended last season. Who with... could forget? <laughs> Titans the first season, sorry. But yes, it, 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 production problems seem like a problem in DC. Caitlin? You know, a good way for them to do it, I'm not saying they will, but a good way is to do a standalone movie as like to wrap up like all the new ah, loose ends and make it like that would be 90 good. minutes or two hours. And then and then you start season three. I like that. I like That's that a lot. Idea. I do want to say before we run away from this, that Timothy Dalton is fucking fantastic. And every scene between he and Dorothy is just fucking yeah. crazy. It's yeah. Everything so that good. happened with her, the, the having her first period, Dealing with it with the woman who runs like the Seven Eleven, basically the yeah. gas station was so good. I don't know. This this is such a good show. I love it. Yeah. Uh, the only co- complaint I have about Timothy Dalton's acting, and it's not really his acting, it's that uh, the writers, maybe maybe it's a part of his writer. Every third word has to be my daughter. My daughter. I get my daughter. I let him let. I just can't get over how fucking handsome he is. I mean, I'm definitely wow. just like sitting there like, ooh, He's always Timothy been. Dalton. Yeah. He has one I had of a my crush on him. Lot. Yeah, so did I when he was James Bond. When, when I, was oh, I had it when he was in um, uh, a line in winter in like late 60s, oh. 70s. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was in Flash Gordon. He played Prince Baron, the yeah. uh, the one with uh, with the the Queen soundtrack. He also has one of my favorite lines in any Edgar Wright film ever in Hot Fuzz. When he, when, uh, uh, when, uh, what's his face? Uh, Simon Pegg is like, you know, moves to the, to the little town and he's wondering like, you know, who the killer is. And Timothy Dalton goes, I'm a slasher, a slasher of prices. Cause like, he's the grocer. <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, like, he's the creepiest grocer in the world. Yeah. He really is. It's he, so good. He just has so much agency in everything he fucking does. When yeah. he was literally crawling on the ground at that fucking spooky circus, like covered in wax, I was like, yeah, I wish someone would crawl to me like that. Like I'm so into it. That motherfucker is chewing him. the entire car. We're not talking about the orgy scene anymore. Oh fuck. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get into some of those uh, that, that their uh, issues. Uh, last week, my emotional issues. Yes, uh, we got uh, a free comic book day X Men. Uh, it showed the tarot card roots of the Ten of Swords series, which. Uh, pretend what's going to happen for the X-Men and you can hear all about that later in our upcoming Super X-Men podcast crossover event 
um, which we'll talk about uh, over each of the week's issues. But first, I'd like to talk about uh, what we saw on some of those cards. Um, <clears throat> so the first card was Judgment. And it ha maybe, maybe someone else should lead because I didn't recognize all the characters. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to do that. So I'll just start off by saying um, this issue actually came out a few weeks ago in print when they moved Free Comic Book Day to like a, it's basically a free comic book like two months. Um, and, but we get our comics digitally. So it finally came out on Comixology last week. Uh, but we want to take a little time to kind of talk through the, uh, through like the various tarot images uh, in the pages. So the first one, well, you've got Saturn who, uh, you know, oversees Otherworld. Um, the first card she pulls up is called Judgment and it's Apocalypse. And it's the character that was introduced in X-Men number two uh, from when uh, Krakoa and Araco like rejoined um, those two islands. And uh, this individual is the child of war. The, the first war that was uh, Apocalypse's horseman uh, or horse person, uh, rather. Um, so <laughs> thank so, you. And the, the title, well, because the character says this war was my mother. Right. So, um, yeah. um, so judgment is the, is the card. And it's, it's clearly um, you've got uh, Apocalypse uh, conspiring with this character about maybe, you know, having Araco take over Krakoa or something like that. That's my speculation. The next card is the Four of Wands, and that looks like the original horsemen yep. fighting yes. the uh, sort of the demons or sort of whatever, like the uh, supernatural characters that were on when Krako and Araco were like one, one uh, singular island. Shout out to Pestilence for looking so good with the skull behind her. She looks wonderful. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was going to say, I thought you were going to say Famine looks so thin. Um, <laughs> So card number three is the Hanged Man. And this is uh, Apocalypse, or rather the symbol that he goes by now in the modern Krakoa era. And behind him, uh, from left to right, is our Beast, Banshee on the way back, Richter, mm -hmm. Archangel, Glob Herman, Polaris, uh, Trinary, and Havoc. Yeah. So I'm wondering if part of them are going to be uh, maybe some of his new horse horsemen. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to see Trinary getting some play. Yes, finally, and she that. was in the she was in that first issue of Excalibur, right? So it'd be it, good to bring so her back was, through Apocalypse. I was looking at this team um, or this group of grouping of people, and it looks sort of like it's almost a character from each X Men comic going on right now, like mm. one of the characters from that. So maybe That's it's a a, a sort of merger of all those teams coming together or something like that. I was trying to figure it out, but it's it's very it, there's not too much overlap in terms of who these people are together. So right. I'm confused. I agree. Cause like, yeah, um, Beast is with X-Force. Richter yeah. is with Excalibur. Yeah. Blob is with New Mutants. Yeah. Havoc yeah. is with Hellions. Uh, Polaris is with X-Factor. Mm -hmm. uh, Banshee and Archangel don't really have a home. And well, Trinary doesn't either yet, but. Yeah. The most recent run that we're going to go over of uh, Archangels in that one, but that's pretty right. much and the next yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't. Looks also, it is. It, it's it's Archangel. Yes, like, he's right. been a, he's been Angel. You know, with the feather wings, uh, looking more humanoid, and here he looks more like when uh, when Warren Worthington became the Avatar of Death, um, being seduced by old women, uh, one issue at a time. <laughs> yeah, there you go. 
And then the next one is the um, Eight of Cups, which is a woman who looks a lot like Storm, but Storm mm -hmm. in pure uh, Evie Oddly drag. Um, <laughs> and so um, she looks fucking flawless. And I think this is sort of the result of the storyline of her being infected by the Children of the Vault. Mm, so yeah. they're gonna, I think that's gonna continue. Um, that's gonna be the last giant size X-Men that comes out uh, in, uh, in a few weeks. And I think that leads into Ten of Swords. One of the things that leads into Ten of Swords. And then um, the last one is actually the Ten of Swords, which is, well, it's a promo for the crossover. Let's just call it <laughs> Correct. That. Correct. Hey, yeah. wait a minute. All these people have swords. <laughs> yeah. And there's 10 of them there. Yeah. It does. I will say I will give this issue a shitload of credit because it finally made sense as to why it's the Ten of Swords and why it wasn't just X of Swords. Like we kept yeah. shittily, I kept shittily calling it. Um, and, I, and I'm very excited for, like, this totally amped me up for it. So it was a great free comic book day issue and certainly excited me for the actual crossover. Yeah. So we, when, we, when I we, was in high school and everything, we used to do tarot because we were fucking weirdos. And I liked some of the actual meanings behind some of them, like the four of, four of um, wands wow. that we were looking at with the four horsemen coming back. The actual meaning of that is a celebration, joy, harmony, relaxation, and homecoming. Homecoming <laughs> works. It's together for a black ceremony, a baptism of blood, celebration, and joy with this baptism of blood. Relaxation. I kind of, <laughs> you know what? Got to stab him for relaxation. Isn't and it I was that, looking, like, if you we were the, talking, card, the card upside down, it means kind of the opposite version of that? Correct. But those, these, oh, are, yeah. shown, these are shown up for us, yes? Yeah. Yeah. Um, with, with the very last... I'm sorry, Clark, part. you were saying something else. And I, oh, no, I was saying the Eight of Cups is disappointment, abandonment, withdrawal, and escapism. So that makes sense as to what's dealing with if Storm mm -hmm. is, you know, losing herself and withdrawn and escapism makes sense. Yeah. With, with the very last card that we see, we do see 10 people probably representing what all 10 of swords or whatever. But we see Cable, we see Apocalypse, we see Wolverine, Magic, and uh, Betsy, Betsy Braddock um, in the foreground. And then we see some sort of shadowy figures. It almost looks like it's maybe the good versus the evil type of comparison. But going in the background, um, uh, we see sort of these two sword things. Do we, do we think that's Shatterstar or do we think that's... Oh, yeah, that's a good call. Out. Looks gambity. What but, I really want is for them to... You know, they've been trying to show us all these swords in the comic storyline so far. Yeah. That just never really get to all the swords. And <laughs> when they start the series, there's just blank characters with random swords that are always. One of them is definitely Magneto. Yeah. Yeah. I see like Magneto. And then I see Storm. Storm. Yeah. So she probably hair. turns to the bad at some point. Oh. That's probably Nightcrawler instead of Gambit, as I'm looking at. Yeah, I it's hard that. to. I don't know who the guy at the far end is, but is that what's his name? He he um, he always has the sword and he hates Wolverine. So everyone, but he Gorgon. Which ones? Gorgon. Gorgon. Yes, oh, exactly. Gorgon. Uh, Gorgon. I was gonna say it actually looks weirdly like Terax, that fucking like uh, Galactus person. Like for some reason, his head just looks like shaped. Really funny. No, that's not, it's Who's not the Terax. One middle is that part like? Because obviously this ties directly into Phantom X. I thought. Oh, okay. Or yeah. Xavier even. Yeah. Well, well they're, they're gonna. gonna, they're gonna, gonna, gonna big, 
It's a huge penis, whoever it is. Yes. <laughs> well, they're going to use the Cerebro sword as one of the swords, right. which we'll talk yeah. about. So it might be the guy action. at the end of the issue that we're going to cover as well. Well, yeah, do we want to pivot into that? Because I yes, would love please. to know who the fuck that was. Yeah, let's do it. Sure, which issue was that? X-Force number 11. Uh, X-Force number 11. So uh, previously captured Russian super soldiers wreak havoc on Krakoa each time they're killed. They come back a little smaller and a little stabbier. Colossus quits farming to help. Um, and apparently there's stuff about the Cerebro sword, which I uh, forgot about how important it was, but they <laughs> inquire into the chest and then push him through a door, which is my favorite way, my second favorite way of killing Quentin Quire through. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that uh, was, so that's Mikhail Rasputin, yes? Kayla? That's yeah. who I thought. I think yeah. that's I... who I thought. It's weird that they just don't tell us who it is for the people who aren't sure. Like, okay, some guys arrived. That's um, that's Colossus's brother. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say the body horror in this issue was unsettling. I feel like that's become like a theme in a lot of the comics we've been reading lately. But like the nesting, doll, the Russian nesting doll stuff. Like, <laughs> fuck it. Benjamin Percy, you sick fuck. Like, yeah. that is amazing. I love it. I thought that was hilarious. The little ones are calling it the even little ones. It was cute. Did anyone else scream at Beast for his stupid plan of running away from all the other bodies, which definitely have little men in them? Yeah. <laughs> it was dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, they they didn't really go into this, but they were talking about like potentially like if you keep getting smaller, will they just keep getting into? I'm like, are they going to be like running through their blood and shit? Like, like it's going to be creepy. Oh my like, god! They, you know what it is? What? It, it's 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 the itchy and scratchy land episode when they're watching oh, like that no. Fantasia and like they, <laughs> and they like, keep multiplying. Yes. Yes, and it's just like the little little the little like itchies like uh, like like basically chopping away at Scratchy and he turns old and dies. Okay, there is one, okay, great issue, very fun, creepy as fuck. There is one big issue. Why the fuck is Omega Red on the cover to this damn issue? If I was an Omega Red fan and I was like, finally, I get to see what, I would be so pissed. I literally had to scroll to the top again because I got to the end of the issue and I was like, what the fuck? What happened? And it must have been some like disconnect in terms of cover. Yeah. But what I, I appreciate is bad planning. At yeah. the very least, it was very like, it's Russia, bitches. Like they were like, this is this is Russia all over again. So flip open this issue. My he, suspicion he's... was that they're like, uh, Colossus has PTSD about fighting. And they're like, well, who would he have been fighting? It's got to be Omega Red. <laughs> no, Omega Red is clearly that purple woman from the beginning. Uh, <laughs> what? What are we? Is that Purple Man's daughter? That's a mutant. Like, who is that? that I mean, that's she why she's convincing. Uh, yeah, she does. She's actually a real yeah. persuasion. Yeah. Persuasion. I mean, yeah. I don't think so, though. She has no personality like that. The, the purple tone is totally different. Yeah. I'm just glad Domino said what we were all thinking, which was, who the hell are you? <laughs> you lady. Uh, thank God Colossus can still rock a plow, though. Am I right? Uh, God damn gosh, it. That's important. So hot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Ryan, that's the slow ball special. Ryan, <laughs> <laughs> um, should we talk about Marauders number 11? Yeah. So uh, Kate's still dead, and everyone's very sulky about it. 
Emma learns that Sebastian Shaw was responsible and that to get Kate out of the eggs, you literally just have to pull her out. <laughs> Which means that the five have killed about a dozen and a half other Kates that they just left in the eggs. 17. But Ooh. Kate's back. So what do we make of the five's ability to resurrect her versus her ability to use the doors? Could the five presumably resurrect anyone? Is Kate kind of a mutant, kind of not? Kaylin, answer these hard questions fast. So I, the way I interpreted it was the fact that like the, her body was still there, that um, when she got resurrected, she was phasing and she wouldn't come out of the shell. Yeah. But when they finally gave her the Viking funeral, which was a really, really well done scene, like that with Emma's ability to like kind of mentally connect with her, um, that's how they got her and then resurrected her. That's what, that's what happened. I thought it was just Emma realizing that that was the case. Um, like she's like, oh, she's yeah, but someone just had to do a hot hand on yeah. the egg for her to see. <laughs> yeah, couldn't fucking sometimes, hope just like hey, hold the egg. Anyone could have done bit? it. Hey, okay. Ryan, sometimes you need hot hands and eggs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds delicious right now. Um, I, I will say, I read this issue and the explanation satisfied me. I thought about it, it made me mad. Then it satisfied me again. Then it made me mad. So I'm like very on the is was this a good explanation for I I do like the way they said they're like she just has she has to go through the barrier herself. So like maybe that explains the gates too, but like I do need a little bit more explanation. This happened so quick and so foolishly. We we waited what, four issues for this the thing whole to happen series, in half a second. Basically. The whole series. It was this was bizarre. I didn't I, it just feels like a waste. We had Lockheed show up just for this one little bit of nothing. He shows up and immediately we just rip her out and just I don't know. It seemed uh, very I do, I do wonder if it was due to the delay of the comics because because I actually, exactly I, did, I yeah. found that I found that same wave you did, Ryan, where I was like oh, they're really doing this. And so I was like, well, that seems kind of crazy that they didn't really build that up more because like she died in such a weird way and it was so dragged out. And then I was like, oh, but now she's resurrected. But now I'm kind of upset that they spent all that time building it up, even though it wasn't built up enough to be a real death. Like I was just sort of stuck in the middle, essentially. Um, I think it's great for the plot. Oh, I love that. Like Emma's a like fried in an egg. <laughs> yeah, I just needed someone to grab me out of it. Yeah. Um, I was really happy with the fact that like Emma's like, let's talk about, let's do, deal with this internally. Cause I think it makes it a bit more exciting to see what they're going to end up doing. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously their relationship, Emma's reaction, like all the pieces were there, but it didn't feel super earned, but I also wasn't that upset with it. So I'm just kind of like, okay, Kayla. Can we talk about the best part of the issue is Jerry Dugan knows exactly how DC metros work. He's got it, or the orange and blue line. He's got them going to first Foggy Bottom. They're coming from Roslyn. Mm -hmm. And then, then it's on. going to Farragut West. And I was like, he <laughs> knows the order. That was, was impressive. Like, I was very supportive of that. And he really knows DC, too, because if you see someone that hot on the Metro, you're like, are you a superhero? Because you're clearly, <laughs> you don't belong here. Oh, yeah. and, um, and when they talk to you, they, you try and keep it cool. And then later you write a memo where you <laughs> so amazing yeah. meeting a lost your shit. Yeah. 
Um, I love Dolores so much. And then I went back uh, to a couple of issues where she's the ex-desk writer. And she keeps talking about, like, I hear there's a hellfire party? Yeah. What's that all about? And then she references it in the, uh, in when she meets Storm. It's great. I loved it. Oh, it's good. So it's, much fun. You could have also, problems with that, but it's a good issue at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I also loved, I loved Emma in, in the whole thing. Like, loved her it. actually, her character development of actually uh, having a lot of sorrow and affection for Kate. And, like, it's the one of the few times she doesn't wear white. Like everybody else at a funeral is just wearing their normal outfit. She wears black, which is such an amazing signifier to me. Yeah. I love uh, I love the, the relationship she has with Lockheed now because he always has fucking hated her, always tried to burn her all the goddamn time. I, I did just have one question and then we can move on. But why did Nightcrawler make us such a big deal about like, how many times were you resurrected? 18. I Ooh. suspect it's because Kate's his friend and the idea that she died again and again and again from drowning in a tub. Really <laughs> uncomfortable for her. But, yeah. I don't but know why, why it's so funny why to me. Was he so turned on by 18. Though? It's because he was Jesus, like, yeah. oh, Jesus oh, died oh, 18 times he before 20, he got out. The 21st would have been free. <laughs> it just seems like there's a bunch of idiots in charge of this whole thing. These five people who are resurrecting <laughs> yeah. everybody and they're like, oh, she keeps drowning? What? Like, it's, it, I, well, I don't understand. It's so stupid. It's yeah. making me so mad. Elixir's like, oh, we, we didn't have try these, touching the egg. Great. We have these fucking idiots in charge of all this. Hey, well, I will say, like, they, 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 got used to, they got used to a certain way of doing things, and they're like, well, it didn't work this way. So they're probably, because they're trying to churn out so many resurrected, I mean, they're getting, humans are dying left and right. Fucking Kid Omega got killed again in X-Force. Uh. So... And so that's the reason why it's like they're not, they're just not, you know, they're doing it. They're doing too but much if, of it. If, and it just if becomes you have gross. to give that explanation, it's an issue. No, but having read X Factor, you can tell that they're obviously not that interested in the science of it. They're just on a time clock producing. Like they're literally widget makers at this point, And the widgets happen to be live human beings. I don't know. I yep. just think there should be, there needs to be an explanation about that because it, it's idiotic. In comic, there needs an explanation about why that happened because it's so... Well, not functional. Well, let's move from uh, Kate's Pyre to Empire. Um, Empire X-Men number three. Uh, zombies and plants and psychics and old ladies continue to fight on Genosha. And Magic becomes a demon plant queen, which is four levels stronger than your typical plant gay. Um, what did you guys think of this? Because uh, um, I need to like it. I, I I think it I think it was probably the weakest of the issues so far, but it's still just a very fun shit show. And I think it's a good example of there can be constant action happening at all times, but they still manage to get a lot of good quips and dialogue in that doesn't feel unnatural for what's occurring. It, the, it's probably all so the characterization is fucking magnificent. Every yeah. single character is true to themselves. I love when they're throwing corpse versions of Madrix around. And at first he's horrified and he's like, just fucking throw my body. Shit, we need to get out of here. I don't yeah. know. I love this. I, I love Explodey Boy or whatever his fucking name is because he's so fun. He's just like, look, let's make a deal. I get to eat you, but I'll help out. Like, it's just right. like, it's the craziest deal. Um, Can we call him Zombomb? Ah, that's better. That's so much better. He's also just sort of like, yeah, I used to be you or whatever. He's like happier being a zombie. I just, I, I just want to eat brains now. I don't get it, but you know. It, 
Yes. And I did I, love the cameo of Nightcrawler just being like, oh, you need someone to teleport around? I'll, I'll just go. Like, oh, why didn't we use him? <laughs> it's just yeah. <laughs> it's so much sense for him to be the person. Because why not? Kalen? So uh, this issue is written by Vita Ayala, Zeb Wells, and Ed Brisson. It's a different, it's a different artist, Andrea Bricardo. Uh, it's clear that all the X writers just got together in a room and it's like, we're going to take the piss out of this and just have plants versus zombies versus X-Men and just go. It's like, it's like a fucking mashup. It's like if the five of us like wrote a comic, you know, and like Clark and I read, did one issue, Brent and Ryan did another issue, Adam and Brent did issue three. And it's just like, yeah, just fucking so keep it going. It's just a lot of fun. What you're saying is their issue is going to be the worst of the three? Yeah. Yeah. It'll be the worst just said. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Empire number five. Uh, Wiccan and Hulkling uh, were secretly married in that hour Hulkling had before he went into space. The Kotati put an egg in Wakanda and a fake Hulk king turns on the sun. Also, apparently the Skrull used gimp suits to contain their prisoners. <laughs> Hulkling shows up in the kinkiest of prison wear. <laughs> it was very man in the iron mask, which yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah for sure. Was, would you call this a plasma gun wedding? <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Not great. Good. <laughs> Ryan, for, thank you. Thank you for honor, for humoring me. Did any of you guys feel a little bit, you know, like we're taking this short straw that in other straight weddings and comics, they like have full issues or two, two issue arcs or something like that. Whereas for gay people, it was like, oh yeah, that happened in a prior issue in like a 30 minute window and it was four pages. Brian? I, I, don't, I don't think that actually, because they're just treating it like, oh, these are two people that want to be in love and they want to be together. I'm, I'm thinking about this too much, but like they just treated it like any other wedding. I, I think that's better. Like treating a gay wedding like this is a gay wedding, you'll, you'll have to deal with Kyle after. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, not a yeah. good thing that you want to deal with. What do you think, Clark? Um, Who's Kyle? Kyle is North Star's boyfriend, okay. husband. Yeah, we got that in a. This is a series that's going to be read by any, like everybody, by comparison to people who are going to read a Young Avengers series. The fact right. that they're having a gay marriage, and it's their probably biggest series of the year. If they, I mean, not probably, maybe. I mean, it's their biggest event series of the year, which would be right. much more read, as I said, than minor series. When I, North Star and and uh, I'm trying to find a name Kyle. because Kyle's so uninteresting. <laughs> I was oh, trying to find another superhero name and found nobody. Um, when he married that guy, there, I mean, it was a well-read issue, but it's not going to be well-read by anybody who wanted, to, who didn't want to see a gay marriage or wasn't buying something in order to see a gay marriage, which is why I found very exciting. And just the fact they show their love in this series that the only romantic storyline going on is this gay romance. So I was very, um, I'm very supportive of this whole thing. I loved it. We're, I'll just say, oh, sorry, Ryan. No, no, no. no, no okay. Okay. What were you going to say? Uh, yeah, I like that entire part of it. And I like that it's very matter of fact. And I think the, all the wedding stuff was really cute. I'm sort of feeling like this miniseries is wrapping up too quickly now. Yeah. And mm -hmm. maybe it's not, maybe I'm not reading enough of the ancillary stuff besides obviously X-Men, uh, Empire X-Men and the one shot of Hulkling that we read a few weeks ago. But um, it's like, oh, now it's finally getting interesting. And then it's like, oh, and then the next issue is the last issue. It's like, I want the more of the world universe, universe building, really, like we saw in books like Annihilation, Annihilation, Conquest, War of Kings, uh, the Thanos Imperative, all the like really big yeah. cosmic books in the last 10 years ago. 
I, um, yeah, I was going to say, I worry that, it, to your point, I don't even know if the, and I'm just making this up, but I, I don't think a lot of the fill in the blank one shots would really even fill that much blank in. I think my biggest gap is that the Katati are just not, they're a fun, like weird sort of space force kind of thing, but I don't really, there's so few key players besides Koi and Swordmaster that I even give a shit. And I think on top of that, I love Empire X-Men, but in reality, it has no, it, it's very similar to, God damn it, War of Realms, I think, in that like, it's like here, this is also happening on this big cataclysmic battlefield, but none of it, Matt, like none of it really helps support the storyline, which I think was the big difference with Annihilation is that it all felt like, everyone felt like they had a part to play, whereas a lot of this also feels like, oh yeah, this is also happening, but like, you don't really have to worry about it. Um, Cause I don't, I think it does something to, it defeats the world building purpose that I, I think we're both looking for in the sense that like events happening across the globe affect the larger sort of campaign. And there really isn't a campaign. It's just been one, they're fighting one giant war while there's other little wars being fought, but there's no benefit whether or not they win, except for this, I, I call it the mother vine, but except for this death blossom on Wakandan soil. Um, uh, Ryan, what were you going to say? Um, I, with this sort of speeding to the finish, it's very clear that they're trying to close up a lot of stuff at the end. I mean, nothing is more clear of that than when Reed Richards and Tony Stark are together and they go, so you're telling me we only have seven minutes to save the earth and eight minutes or nine minutes to save the world. I was like, what is this, the fucking Madonna song? Like, <laughs> we only got nine minutes Wait. to save the earth. It was like so over the top, but I sort of loved it because I'm like, Give me stakes at the very end. Tell me what I'm going to get. Maybe I am a dumb reader, but I did hey, enjoy that. that. That's exactly what you say when you uh, order on a date. Get me stakes at the end. Tell me exactly what I want. <laughs> <laughs> Serve me dessert of stakes. Clark, Clark, what were you going to say? We, these, the other series, uh, Fantastic Four and Avengers, especially since this is what we're building out of, needed to have threaded this in so much longer this seems like it, the fact there's only six issues means that we had needed a huge buildup. Yeah. Did not get. Yeah. If Annihilation with Annihilation Conquest, there are four miniseries before it, which all fed into it, which made it more exciting. The, the event came out of all the stuff that was going to, you know, come out and create it. This was just, here's an event. You don't really have to know, or you don't know anything before. We're like, oh, by the way, you know, I mean, we had actually, you know, we did have a little bit from Captain Marvel. But just the same, it just feels so odd. And you have to read the smallest series in order to then get a space epic. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I still I like mean, it though. It's still enjoyable. It just, it oh, could sure. be so much better, I, do, I think. It should have been longer. I was talking about how when I read uh, the Celestial Messiah issue of Lords of Empire, how important it was, how necessary it was to find out a character of anybody for the you know villains seemingly or now we have multiple groups of villains but i don't know it, it they needed to bring that in earlier they needed to bring the the when they had lord of um to lord of empire for uh help what's his name it's lost it anyways um for for teddy altman yeah that's his real name Hulkling. yeah Hulkling. Hulkling. <laughs> that's saying hellstorm Hellstrom. Um, they needed this to be involved in the actual story much more because it just feels like it's happening so goddamn quick. Also, the fact we're reading it once every once a week is making it happen so fast that we're not able to really think about it. Like, you know, if our thought processes are going a mile a minute for this series. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, on our last comic, uh, Death Metal number three, uh, Batman, Wonder Woman, Swamp Thing, and Harlan, Harley Quinn are on Apocalypse. They free Superman and a bunch of other heroes from another Batman. The Darkest Knight chases Wally West through generic place. And Diana has a plan. Bruce has a secret. And Lobo is working for Luther, collecting the Infinity Gems. Um, I mean, uh, medals. <laughs> Kalen? Um, this, uh, I, I love this miniseries. And this issue is probably my favorite, just because of how fucking... Uh, pardon the pun, batshit it was. You've got the Robin parademons, uh, Batman as Darkseid, uh, the Dark Father, uh, bringing in uh, Superman. Um, all like It's all the stuff I love about DC Comics. And just going back to what we were talking at the beginning of the podcast of like, I'm really sad that this could go away. The fucking, you know, weird ass continuity shit, just like um, bringing up stuff that's just so uh, minute, but like making taking the piss out of it but also making it very serious at the same time uh is just i don't know um it makes me a little upset because i think the resolution of death metal is going to be the result of creating the infinite multiverse again which is what i always wanted i think you know crisis on infinite earths when it came out in like the mid 80s you know i know why they did it they wanted to streamline the, the dc universe make it much more accessible modernize it they ended up doing was fucking it over continuity wise for so long. They had to keep going back to try to fix it. And every time they fixed it, they made it even worse. And so the idea of, you know, having parallel universes where it's different heroes or heroes of age differently, I think audiences are sophisticated enough that they can experience this in comics. They've certainly been able to do that in TV series, like in dark, like which we reviewed, they've done it in the Arrowverse shows, especially with legends of tomorrow and as well as like all the adaptations they've done of like Crisis Infinite Earth and Elseworlds and all that kind of stuff. So I'm just, I have a very bittersweet um, emotions about this, about this comic. Um, I love it, but I'm sad that like, we're not gonna see anything like it from DC for a while. Uh, I will say I'm a little surprised uh, that this is your favorite uh, of this series so far, because for me, I felt a lot of the same way when uh, Justice League was restarting that like there is so much happening in this issue and in the prior one that as a relatively newer reader I am put at the maximum bandwidth of trying to remember who everyone is and what their relationship is supposed to be I'm like yeah okay so there's a I know that there's a Green Lantern but there's also a Black Lantern which does this but Toymaker made a giant ship and now they're on Apocalypse and Darkseid has a different name, but they don't call him Darkseid Batman. They call him Dark Father, whatever. Superman is something, something. Ring, something. Why are all these heroes in a giant ball? I don't know. What's Batman's secret? And so I felt very uh, overstimulated on everything that was going on. So I will say this is not new reader friendly, um, even though I think a lot of the char character and story beats are, are interesting it rewards the reader who's been reading this for a long time. Um, before Death Metal started, I reread the original Metal series. I read uh, Justice League, No Justice, the four issue miniseries that led into the Justice League series. And I reread the, uh, the entire Justice League series. And so like bringing in Luther, who was supposed to be the you know avatar for Perpetua, she like passes him over and fucks him over. 
and makes the Batman who laughs her avatar, like all that, like, oh, that's a cool reveal. Um, you know, what's happening with Jaro, like I love Jaro as a character. Uh, Make up your own calls, story. <laughs> and I love that he calls Batman like father, he calls him dad, you know, like I, it's just such a weird, weird little shit. The stuff that the quirky shit I love about the DC universe, um, which I get is not new user friendly, but it just makes me so happy. Well, I do think that this series is going to go. I mean, I looked at the back end of the issue and I was like, oh shit, this goes until January. So I do think that there's a significant amount of also there. I think there this month there was the issue of like telling you everything about the universe, kind of the world, which I thought would be kind of helpful. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's a little bit unwieldy, but I, I totally love the general idea. I just want to, I just want to consume more of it essentially and be more aware of all of the bits and pieces essentially. Yeah. So next week um, we have, I think it's the final issue of empire. It's been like a weekly series, mostly because of the uh, uh, you know, the fact that we didn't get comics for a few months, but we've also got X empire X-Men number four. Uh, we've got Excalibur number 11, Wolverine number four and cable number three. And we're also going to be reviewing the last couple issues of venom, including the free comic book day venom spider-man um uh mashup uh and if you you know feel free to find this obviously on soundcloud spotify itunes and please interact with us on twitter and instagram it's at homo superior podcast on twitter and homo superior x on uh, instagram uh but we'll be seeing you next week bye bye, bye.